Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Emotional wounds. Ah, yes, we all have them, whether or not you know it, and they are most likely affecting your eating habits, whether or not you know it, which is why we're going to talk about it so that you can start to recognize if this may be at play for you so you can do something about it because I'm all about educating you, expanding awareness, and then taking empowered action. When I say emotional wound, I'm referring to the suppressed or repressed emotional energies from past experiences going all the way back to early childhood and adolescence that were never fully felt or processed from your body. And the result of that is that those emotional energies stay stuck in your body and being, whether or not you realize it. A lot of us think that these experiences in the past happened in the past. Our mind thinks that we've moved on, but your body still holds the emotional charge and the memory imprint cellularly and in your tissues, right? We often hear the saying, the issues in your tissues, and that's because your body stores emotions. And over time, the accumulation of these unprocessed emotional wounds build up and start to impact your physical, mental, emotional well-being. They can contribute to symptoms such as binging or emotional eating. And it's because your brain is desperately looking for a way to try and help to either regulate or soothe the emotional and energetic imbalances that are present in your body and nervous system as a result of this accumulation of emotional energy. Now, an emotional wound could be a form of trauma. It's entirely possible that if you've experienced pretty intense traumatic events, that those have contributed to the formation of emotional wounds. But a lot of women that I work with, and this was myself included, don't identify as having trauma. I had a great childhood. I didn't experience any significant traumatic experiences. And so I didn't identify with this idea that I had trauma that I needed to heal. However, As I started to do my own healing work and work with a coach, I was astonished at the amount of emotional wounds that were still alive inside of my body that honestly came from seemingly small events that I never would have identified as being problematic. If I had gone to a therapist to talk about my issues, these events would not have been things that I would have thought to tell because I had no idea that they were still impacting me as an adult in the present moment. And I certainly had no idea that they were influencing my binging patterns and my purge pattern. By the way, if you binge, the binge is an attempt to stuff down. It's a repression of the emotional energy that's trying to come out. And a purge is an energetic attempt to release the emotional energy out of the body, right? So binging is a stuffing down and a purge is a getting out neither of which is effective. But until you understand what your body is trying to process, then you have no other way to effectively feel and heal the emotional wounds, which is why doing this inner work is such an integral piece of your healing journey. It's not just about food. 
So here are three ways that an emotional wound could be formed at any stage in life. The first is that if you experienced a painful event and you're flooded with emotions, it could be physical pain, it could be emotional pain, your brain makes a mental note. It keeps a log of the experience because it wants to use that memory to keep you safe from this happening again in the future, right? So let's say, for example, that there's someone who bullied you. Your brain is going to have like the visual imprint of where it happened, so maybe a classroom, and it's going to store all the sensory data where there's smells in the air. What was the sound of the bully's voice? How did they look? Did the person touch you, right? Was there any taste, a taste of blood, or maybe you were drinking a diet soda when they came over and threw it on your head, right? And there's the taste of Diet Coke associated with the incident. There's all sorts of these really specific sensory data points that your brain might associate with the pain that you experience in that moment. And so your brain has the memory and it imprints the memory with the emotions as well as the sensory data. And then it uses that information to help help you predict future events. So let's say fast forward, you're now in college, right? And you're back in a, a classroom and you've got a Diet Coke, you just got out of the vending machine and somebody sits down next to you and this person has a similar look to the person who bullied you as a child. You're not thinking that. You're thinking, oh, what a cool new person. Nice to meet you. But for some reason, your nervous system is suddenly like sending off the fire alarm of danger. And you're noticing that you're just chugging the Diet Coke. And then you're chugging the chips that you got at the vending machine. And you're stuffing food down your face. And you don't understand why. Like in the present moment, it doesn't make sense. But when we look at what the emotional wound was in childhood, it makes complete sense to us, right? From an outsider perspective, we can see the parallels and it's understandable why somebody sitting down next to you who looks like the bully in school when you were a child would trigger a fear response for you as an adult. But if your brain is in school mode, right, you're not thinking about what potentially could have been triggered. All that you know is that you're suddenly eating and your brain is doing that to try and regulate the emotions that got activated in the present that actually were formed and put in place way in the past. Fascinating how that works, isn't it? Now, the second way that you could form an emotional wound is if you had a tendency to squash down or repress your emotions. Scientists say that it takes about 90 seconds to fully feel and process an emotional energy through the body. And emotion is energy in motion. It's meant to be felt. It's meant to move through your system so that it can be processed and cleared or discharged, right? Liberated, whatever word you want to choose. If you, the millisecond you notice there's a, a rising of anger or fear, squash it down, hold it in, or compartmentalize it, then you are trapping or containing that emotional energy, that frequency in the body. It has to go somewhere. And if it didn't go out of your system, that means it's going to stay stuck in your system. And it might be stuck in an organ. In Chinese medicine, they talk about how different organs are associated with different emotions. So for example, your liver is associated with anger. So maybe you're holding a lot of anger in your liver. Or the lungs could be associated with grief. And so if you're not allowing yourself to grieve, losing a grandparent or a pet, maybe you're holding a lot of grief still in the lungs. 
Secondly, what can happen is that sometimes we end up overlooping in an emotion and we can get flooded with an emotional energy. So again, if it takes 90 seconds essentially for an emotion to process and be released, sometimes what happens is that we stay stuck in the emotional frequency. It's like a kid who's throwing a tantrum and nothing you do is helping them to feel better. And you've probably even experienced this as an adult. I know I certainly have where it's like looping in it, looping in it. It's like, I just can't seem no matter how hard I cry to feel better. And in those situations, usually what happens is you create what's called a reverberation. So it's a type of trapped emotional energy that is reverberating through the entire system. It's like ringing a bell and the bell has this subtle vibration that creates a sound wave that happens on a cellular level in your body. And so you may just have these frequencies of anxiety or fear or sadness or depression that feel like they're just always present, always there. And that can happen if you weren't able to fully process an emotion at a certain phase or stage of your life. And usually we stay stuck looping in an emotion if we were alone experiencing it and you didn't have another nervous system to help you to bring yourself back into a state of regulation. One visual that I like to give to help you understand how emotional wounds work in your body is to picture a cup of water and imagine that the cup of water is your body and maybe the cup of water is half full and that represents your body at its state of regulation or your baseline where you feel calm and peaceful and alert and aren't in anxiety, aren't in depression. Maybe there's some happiness, right? Now imagine all the small moments in your life as little pebbles, the times when you were upset as a child, the time where you had a tantrum that you couldn't have an ice pop, the time that your sibling pushed you down, the time that your parents were late for school, and all these seemingly small little human experiences created for you emotions that maybe you didn't have the cognitive capacity or the ability to actually feel. And so you defaulted to suppressing them, or maybe you didn't have a parent there who could support you as you were navigating your emotions of fear, right? Think of a baby at night who's crying, who's seeking comfort from a parent and you're fast asleep. You didn't hear your child crying and you didn't go to comfort them. And the child is just stuck looping in a terror or fear response potentially, right? Now you've got that reverberation stuck in the body. So these are tiny pebbles that I want you to imagine dropping into your cup of water. And as you do, you notice that the cup of water starts to rise. And then we throw in one or two big boulders, right? These are going to be the memories that stand out to you as painful experiences that you had your parents fighting, your parents getting a divorce, the time that he broke up with you, your first boyfriend and broke your heart, losing your dog when you were a child or getting into a car accident, right? These experiences that jolt us, that we know impacted ourselves emotionally. And now imagine plopping those big pebbles into your cup of water. What starts to happen to the water level? It rises. And eventually over time, as you start to accumulate the small emotional wounds and the big emotional wounds, if you are not actually processing them and clearing them from your body and your system by feeling them, by effectively releasing them, the emotional energy in charge, then over time, there's an accumulation 
right? Over time, there's an impact on your body and that baseline and that state of regulation begins to shift higher and higher and higher until eventually you reach sort of the top of the cup, right? And that's the tipping point. It's like now, if this is the state of being, if this is how you're operating in the world, then one more little tiny pebble is going to send you over the edge. And this is what we find starts to happen for us as adults, because now your nervous system is taxed and your body doesn't have room for any more pebbles. And so now something in your present day life that is triggering you, which seems relatively small, oh, somebody said something that I didn't like, all of a sudden, like you are binging and your reaction and the emotions that you're experiencing in response to a seemingly small event are so much bigger. Like it doesn't match. And that's because you're at your max. You're at max capacity. Your system can't handle anything else. And so little things set you off, which is why you're reverting to binging to try and regulate. Or little things are poking those emotional wounds, right? Kind of like the bully example. And then you're getting flooded with the unprocessed emotions of the past that are showing up in the present. Now, this can be really frustrating because it can feel like we're hopeless, like we're a victim to our bodies and our emotions. You might be thinking, how will I know, Sarah? Like, what am I supposed to do about that? If in the present, I'm getting triggered and activated and my nervous system is dysregulated and I have all of this unprocessed emotional energy and I just continue to binge or I continue to emotionally eat to try and help myself feel better but I know that only helps me feel worse, really, not really helpful, but it makes you feel worse. How am I supposed to break that cycle? What am I supposed to do? This is why I'm so passionate about the inner work because the bulk of the work that I do with my clients, the bulk of the work I did on my healing journey was the process of beginning to return to my body, go inward and discover from my body what it is that I was needing to heal. Because your body knows, your brain is not going to be able to figure it out. It is not solvable from the mind. It is solvable when we go into the body because your body has a wisdom and an intelligence and that's where the emotional energy is. And it's one of the coolest things to see that as you begin to uncover, feel, free, release, liberate the emotional wounds that are alive inside of you, over time, the intensity and the frequency of your eating episodes will begin to improve significantly. I guarantee it. That's what happened to me. And I was shocked when it started to happen. I was thrilled actually, because as I started to do the deeper inner work, it felt like an acceleration of my healing. It was a missing piece for me. And it's a missing piece for most people who struggle with any type of addiction, alcohol, drugs, eating. There's always deeper pains that are driving those patterns and behaviors always. But sometimes we feel stuck knowing what the heck we're supposed to do about it. Like how do we go in to feel and heal that pain? This is one reason that I love energy work because you can bypass the mind and go directly to the body to uncover the emotions and energy that are stuck and need to be moved. I also have a very unique inner work process that I guide women through. And I want to share with you a bit about what that looks like. So you have a more clear concept and understanding of what I mean when I say doing the inner work to heal emotional wounds, because I get that can kind of be vague. 
So what I like to do is, first of all, guide women back into the body. When we struggle with our relationship with food and eating, it's likely that you're disconnected from your body. And there's an opportunity to start to become a friend to your body again and to listen to her. You listen to your friends when they're trying to get your attention or they're experiencing pain. I'm sure that you open your heart to to care and to hear what they have to say. And yet a lot of times we're not listening to our body who's trying to get our attention. And for you, one way your body's trying to get your attention is through binging or emotional eating. Every single time that you have an eating episode that you feel like is problematic or you felt out of control, that's an opportunity for you to pause and go internal. It's your brain and body's way of saying, hey, something inside feels so uncomfortable, so painful that I'm looking outside of myself for a way to find relief, for a way to feel pleasure, for a way to get a hit of dopamine, for a way to feel better, to comfort myself. And so if you're eating to feel better, that means there's something inside that doesn't feel good. And our work is to begin to get curious and to uncover what it is that doesn't feel good. And that answer is internal. It's within. It lies within you. I don't have the answer, but I hold the space and container to help navigate you through your own inner world to uncover it. And it's remarkable what reveals itself when you create the space and the safety to do this work. I mean, again, using the friend metaphor, you know, how many times we've had people in our lives who were struggling, but we never knew because on the outside, they seemed okay. And we just never asked, right? We assumed that they were fine and that they would tell us that they weren't, but really they were just waiting for you to ask. And once you ask, then they're finally, honestly telling you everything that's been going on. That's been bottled up. Your relationship with your body is kind of similar. She has so much. She's trying to get you to understand so much that she wants to tell you, but you have to ask and you have to listen. And that requires taking your attention, which is maybe outside of yourself. Most of us spend so much of our time with our eyes open, looking in the world around us, looking on screens and devices, taking care of others, thinking about what has to be done, that we rarely take time to look inward, which is why I start by having women close their eyes and bring all of your energy and awareness into the body to see what's there. And that means looking at the physical sensations of the body. That means noticing the emotional energies that are present in the body, the discomfort that you might feel when you land and settle in your body, and all the thoughts that are swirling in your mind in that present moment. As you begin to just become aware of what is here in any moment, then, oh baby, a whole world is revealed to you about what's going on in your inner world, and you start to notice what maybe you've been ignoring what maybe you didn't even realize was going on that was affecting you. And with that information, you then get to move into what do I do to actually support myself in this moment based on what I'm identifying is going on inside. If what you're feeling is tired, maybe you realize, oh gosh, I don't need to eat another cookie. I need to go take a nap. If what you identify is that you just feel so overwhelmed by the stress of the day, well, what do you need to do to actually diffuse the stress from your body, right? If you're noticing your throat chakra is clogged because you have been avoiding having a conversation with someone that you need to have, well, no amount of food is going to help that go away, honey. 
right? So it's like an opportunity to have the courage to approach difficult conversations. There's so much that becomes clear when you ask and listen and gain that awareness. So step one is just going internal. But then step two is how do we go deeper to uncover these layers of the trapped emotional wounds that may not be obvious initially? I use a combination of regression work, tapping, inner child healing, attachment repair work, reparenting work. It's kind of this hogposh of skill sets that I use according to what arises in a session, according to what your body reveals to us. But I'll use the eating episode as the springboard. And you can imagine, right, if you were to go back in time to the most recent eating episode that you had, where you felt out of control, where you ate more than you wanted to, where you felt uncomfortable, and you literally bring that moment back into your mind right now, put yourself, rewind and put yourself back in that incident as if it was happening again. And you'll most likely reconnect to that energy right here, right now, even though it happened in the past. And if you imagine telling yourself, I can't have this food right now. No, I'm not going to eat this. And you just sit with what's there, with the emotions and the discomfort that's present. You'll usually get an energy or a sensation that arises. And that's what we use. I call it the time machine. We let that energy pull us back in time and it will begin to reveal to us from the subconscious what the images were, what the memory was. And people are fascinated by what shows up. This is where I use tapping. And I joke that with tapping, we literally tap into the subconscious. Things will just start to arise when we do this work. I know for myself, I'll give an example just to to give you a picture. One of the first times that I did this, I had had a binge episode. I was working with a coach. We did a similar process, although I've refined it since then and kind of added my own flair to it. But we did a regression and we went back in time. And what came up was a memory of when I was five years old and I was at the neighbor's house and my mom had just gone to the hospital with my dad to give birth to my sister. And as I went back in time into my little five-year-old body in my neighbor's home, I was shocked at the amount of sadness and fear that consumed me. It was fascinating because for my little five-year-old mind, I was devastated that they didn't take me with them, that I had been left behind. Now, my adult mind looks back on that moment as a happy moment, right? It was the birth of my sister. I don't have a memory of feeling scared or upset at all. In fact, my memory was, oh, this is so fun. I get to have a sleepover at the neighbor's house, right? But when I went back into this regression, I was overwhelmed by emotion that had been unprocessed, that I most likely had held in because what was I going to do? Go tell the neighbor? You know, it's if I didn't feel safe or comfortable with that person to, to be emotionally vulnerable, then I would have held it in. And I did. And so with the support of this coach, you know, she held space for me to process and clear and grieve and cry all the uncried tears and pain of my five-year-old. And on the other side of that was immense relief. It was crazy because like I said, I never would have thought that that moment had created stored and trapped energy in my body that was contributing to my binging in the present. Never. But you know what would happen? After I would go through the inner work and clear the emotional wound, I would feel better. And lo and behold, the frequency of my binging started to go down. The intensity of my binges started to go down. And I began to realize that when I had a binge, it was an indication that another emotional wound had been triggered. 
It was another opportunity for me to go into my inner world and do the healing work. It's like the binges became the window to my liberation. So I became very grateful for the eating episodes because I knew what they were pointing to. And the same goes for you. So when I take women back in time and we uncover like what were the memories, what were the moments, what were the feelings that are present, even if it doesn't make sense to your cognitive mind, and we allow what is there to be there, and then we feel it fully and we liberate it from the body, whether it's with tapping or breathing or punching, you know, I use different um, emotional processing strategies to help move the energy including energy work. Then after we move the energy, liberate the energy, we work on creating a corrective experience or a moment of repair. So for example, with myself, what I was needing as a five-year-old was for my parents to assure me that they loved me, that they hadn't forgotten about me. Because what was interesting is I realized in that moment as a five-year-old, I had made the decision in that moment that I had to be the best child ever, that I was always going to be a good girl so that my parents would never leave me behind again. Because when we're young, that's what the brain does. It creates these beliefs about ourselves. And then we start to create all of these tendencies to try and be the most perfect child or to keep our parents' affection and approval. So what I was really needing in that moment was for my parents to assure me that they loved me. What I needed was to be included in the experience so that I could have gone and partaken in the birth of my sister and been included. Like that's really what my five-year-old wanted and needed. And so we get to use visualization and imagination to begin to create a new reality because your brain and body doesn't know the difference between imagined and real. How cool is that? So we can use imagination to create a new narrative, to create a new outcome, to create a new emotional experience that becomes the imprint and the overlay over what had been, right? We neutralize what was and we start to plant seeds of the new potentiality, new energetic seeds, new emotional seeds, and new cognitive seeds, right? Instead of believing, oh, my parents don't love me. I got left behind, right? I got to assure my five-year-old that the truth was that they always loved me and it's not always appropriate for me to partake in every situation. doesn't mean they don't love me. It just means that I'm five years old and I need to go to bed by eight. And this would have been an all night thing and I wouldn't have been comfortable or safe. Right? And so that's what happens when we do these sessions. We uncover, we feel, we correct, we re-imprint, and then We apply the new information moving forward. That's what integration is. It's like, now how do I integrate what I've realized through these processes into my daily life, right? So now you get to start to reinforce, like, I do matter. I am lovable, right? We get to heal the longstanding abandonment wounds that maybe have in place or the stories that I'm not good enough, right? It's like, I got to work on my people-pleasing and perfectionist tendencies. It's like, oh, now I understand where this came from. And you know what? I don't need to continue to replicate this pattern because I'm starting to heal the root underlying issues and causes. So that's a little glimpse into the work that I do with the women that I support in one-on-one and group programs. That's a glimpse into my process to heal emotional wounds. And that's a glimpse into what emotional wounds are and why they are so important that you begin to uncover and repair on your healing journey. Because if you're just trying to use willpower to resist the urges to binge or emotionally eat, and you're not actually addressing the events and the emotions and the energies 
that are contributing to the impulse and urge to act that way in the first place, you may find that you are struggling for a very long time. And we want to make this as easy as possible for you. Although I want to be careful saying the word easy because doing the inner work is not easy and it's not always fast either. I spent a good six months to 12 months doing this type of inner work. And it took me another two years after that to really feel like I was in full recovery from my eating disorder. In total, I spent five years on my healing journey working on overcoming my struggle with food and eating. And most women that I meet on average will spend six months to five plus years as well doing the same. I work typically six to 12 months, if not two years with women doing this type of work. So I want to give you a very realistic understanding of what it is, like what that journey looks like when you say yes to it. In fact, I recently had someone email me and she said, you know, I've been struggling. I'm still struggling. I've been doing a lot of work. Like, I don't know if I'm not doing everything right. And I said, you know what? I want to normalize that this does take time, like a lot longer than maybe we think, although it's a lot shorter than it would take if we didn't do anything at all, right? It's like, if you don't change anything, if you don't say yes to doing the inner work, you're going to find yourself, you know, 50s. 60s, 70s, 80s, potentially still struggling. And I've had women I've worked with well into their senior years who were still struggling with their relationship with food and eating because they hadn't addressed the underlying root issues. So what would your future self prefer? You know, that you roll up your sleeves sleeves, and dive into this uncomfortable, messy, painful inner world to help liberate this energy for yourself, to help heal your inner child, to rebalance your energy body, you know, to bring stability and regulation back to your nervous system? Or do you want to continue to operate in the world with your cup all the way to the brim, water spilling over pebbles and stones, you know, just all present inside of your body, keeping you from living with a sense of peace and freedom and ease? That choice is yours. And if you're wanting to get started on the inner journey and walk with me as a guide, then you can always apply to join my waitlist to work with me for upcoming group programs. And I have one starting in April. So I will be opening enrollment and registration soon. The last thing that I want to offer some food for thought is that as I've done this work myself and with hundreds of women over the years, I have observed that there are patterns that there are categories and groups of emotional wounds that I find are most commonly associated with binging tendencies. And I wanted to share what these are with you real quick. It's what I call the emotional wound checklist. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining each one. I think I'll do separate episodes that goes more in depth into them, but it's just to give you some food for thought. So you can really begin to think if these categories potentially apply to you, because this might point to areas that you want to focus on, or it might give you an indication. Like if you say yes to all of these on the list, it might give you some evidence that like, Ooh, yeah, I might benefit from doing a little bit of emotional wound healing. So the first one is the breaking point. The breaking point would be if you go back in time and you look at when your issues with food and eating really started to get bad, like where you felt like it was at its worst or it hadn't been a problem up until this moment. I call that the breaking point. And usually what we find is around that time in your life, there were one or more things going on that were causing emotional or physical pain for you. It might've been a really intense or stressful time. 
For myself, I had just moved to San Diego and my car had been stolen. I had no job. I had no friends. I had no car to get to, you know, find a job. So I had no money. So there was a lot of things going on for me in my life that was more than I could handle, right? And so that was my breaking point. And I turned to food as a way to soothe and get through that difficult time. The second category of emotional wounds are repressed anger and the inner rebel. So if you're somebody who growing up had unprocessed anger connected to authority, could be your parents who were always telling you what to do, could have been teachers who were always telling you what to do, it could have been unfair rules in your household, whatever the reasons may be. If you weren't able to process your anger and that is still repressed inside, then as an adult, you may find that you rebel against your own internal authority. Meaning if you tell yourself, oh, you can't eat something, for example, if you tell yourself, I can't have cookies, I can't have chocolate, I can't have fast food anymore. If you're imposing a rule, your inner rebel, usually an adolescent who has not processed all of her anger towards her parents is going to get angry at you for telling yourself what to do and give you a big middle finger, a big F you, and you're going to go eat that thing. (laughs) Sound familiar? Third category of emotional wounds, shame and the false self. Shame in the false self means we create the false self. For me, it's the perfectionist, right? Like I show the world that I'm perfect. Inside, I feel flawed to a fault. Other false selves can be the people pleaser or the controller, the control freak, trying to control everything. And we create these protective mechanisms to try and keep ourselves from feeling shame because we're afraid if people really saw us that we would be embarrassed, that they would make us feel bad about who we are. Fourth category, I call body boundary violations. And this is when people have violated our space and our right to our body. It could have been a look. It could have been something that they said about your body. It could have been them touching you inappropriately. And of course, it can spill into categories of sexual harassment or um, physical trauma, sexual trauma, etc. But it doesn't have to go that far to count as a body boundary violation. You know, you maybe have had men look at you in a way that has made you feel very uncomfortable in your body. And for women and females, that can create a lot of emotions that we hold inside or that our body uses to justify gaining weight as a way to protect us from unwanted attention. So body boundary violations is a really important category to address. And then the final category is called the fear to shine too bright. This is more connected to the woman wound. So this is when, at different points in our life, we felt like who we were actually was making other people feel bad about themselves. Maybe women would make fun of you. Maybe women were jealous of you. Maybe you felt like if you shined too bright, other people rejected you or didn't include you. It could even show up with siblings, right? This comparison or the competition that shows up in female relationships. And so because of that, we actually self-sabotage, right? We keep ourselves small. And one way we do that is by eating to literally dim our light. And so if any of these categories are sort of pinging you for memories or experiences that you've had, then that may reveal some areas where there are emotional wounds that you would really benefit from processing and releasing, And I've explained what my process is. So if that resonates with you or is of interest to you, then please reach out and connect with me. We can always book a free discovery call, complimentary consultation where I can learn about you, what it is that you're experiencing, get your history, and we can actually decide together if my process and approach makes sense for you. So go ahead and use the link below if you feel called to connect. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Empowered Eating and Living podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too.